0: Welcome to the best works of emerging explicit romance authors. Our curators select a wide variety of tales about the lifelong human quest for satisfying, lasting, and meaningful expressions of sexual health. Steamy Stories Daily Podcast focuses primarily on short stories. Explicit Novels Daily Podcast presents longer format novels over a span of episodes. Subscribe to both Steamy Stories and Explicit Novels In your favorite podcasting app. And now, today's story. Kale defeats the Illuminati, Book 3, Part 15. A butterfly wants to kill the world? I final stand. Listen to the podcast at Explicit Novels. Although love is both fire and shadow, we often forget to take comfort from the coolness of the memories when the burning flames are absent. 3 p.m. Sunday, September 7th last day. Now, aren't you glad we tagged along? Pamela said loudly enough to draw attention from the onlookers. She was still beating me up for sending Juanita away and for running off with an avatar goddess of the cult of the Jaguar. But we would have been drawing attention anyway. See, I was in my least favorite place to get beat up, the full-blooded gym at Havenstone. Oh, the Amazons knew me by now. They knew Pamela too. It was my other four guests which were drawing the attention slash ire. Three were outsider women, FBI Special Agent Virginia Maddox was known to a few of the security services and the security detail Amazons, who quickly spread the word about who she was. If they hadn't, well her gray workout attire with yellow FBI lettering on it would have helped clarify any confusion. The other two were New York police officers Nikita Kutuzov and her mother, Larissa, aka the desk sergeant. Those two were with me because Larissa had been insistent on coming and Pamela had publicly announced it was a capital idea, thereby vacating my veto. I thought you were a bigwig? Larissa Kutuzov had accused me. I am, but she scares everyone, I'd shrugged helplessly. Larissa then looked to Pamela, who shrugged as if she couldn't understand why anyone would be afraid of her. So those two, dressed in navy blue workout attire labeled NYPD with golden lettering, were also accompanying me into Payne Central. Had those three outsiders not been with me, it wouldn't really have mattered in that attention-getting department because my fourth guest was Chaz. Yeah, Chaz. Mind you, Chaz hadn't wanted to come either, but Pamela insisted I might need help before all this shit sorted itself out. Chaz wasn't as pretty as me, but compensated by possessing the aura of a professional elite warrior calm, detached and unflappable in a crisis such as calmly walking into a room where 200 women wanted to kill you, a third of them wanted to rape you, then kill you, Another third wanted to kill you by raping you, Chaz was awfully manly after all. And the balance just wanted to kill you and move on to whatever was next. Now, what the fuck was I doing in the full-blooded gym? I had promised to meet Oneida to discuss our hastily revealed warrior's love during this morning's council session, right before Rada attacked her. But why was Oneida meeting me in the gym? As I scanned about upon entry, I saw Oneida and my heart sank. My bad day clearly was not getting better. A portion of the sparring mats closest to me had been cleared out for a circular meeting of kneeling Amazons, who were most certainly waiting for yours truly. Thirteen Amazons were waiting for me. I knew them all, five intimately. Closest to my left were three members of House Zorgia, Househead Jana, her apprentice Marlene and my old buddy Elsa. To their left were Shawnee and Oneida of House Aranite. Opposite me was the Keeper of Records, Krasimira, with the augur Tatify and their guardians, Sikia and the persistently with Krasimira whose name I'd never gotten. Beside them were Madi and Radha. Closing the circle were the head and apprentice of House Bendis, Clavdia and Gael. The moment I saw Tatify, any half-assed plan I was cobbling together flew out the window. Sikia was holding Tatify's hand which she clenched when she caught sight of me. I hadn't believed I would ever see the augur alive again, yet here she was. Fuck it all. I was vaguely aware of Pamela telling Chaz and Virginia to clear the road. Ishara, the apprentice of House Maeve, Ronwyn, decided to make a protest in front of the onlookers, these strangers are not welcome. She moved toward me. By the five companions she was bringing along, she expected some level of resistance. Fortunately, she was addressing me slash us in Old Kingdom Hittite which meant only Pamela and I understood what the heck she was saying. Ronwen, I turned on her with teary eyes, the mother of my firstborn daughter is here when it was prophesied I would never hold her again this side of the cliffs. If I hug her, I can hug them both and show them I share my love, I led with my heart's song. Firstborn? Ronwen frowned. Yes. By Ashara's command, the augur Tadafi was the first to have her destiny twisted by the goddess. The price will be her life to bring the first Isheran daughter to her first breath. In a dream, I was told I would never see her again, I moved past her. One of the strangers, she followed along. Leave this to me, Pamela grabbed Ronwen's arm and pulled her aside. The old witch had arranged things so Nikita and Mamut peeled off to support her, leaving Virginia to cover our back and Chaz to watch my other flank. I stepped between Elsa and Claudia Bendis, vaguely asking for their pardon as I passed them. Tatify seemed sullen, so I boomed subsonic rumblings from deep within my diaphragm. It was a wordless message to her. Murmurs of Kale and Ishara floated around. I wanted to hug Tatify, I fell to my knees before her. My hands flew to her hips as she reached out, determined to find me despite her blindness. Her fingers brushed along my chest. I was dead set on showering her face with kisses. Tatify's right hand danced to my lips while her left hand's fingertips traced along my tear tracks. She started to weep too. You are crying, Tatify needlessly pointed out. I thought I would never see you again, I breathed over her fingers. The goddesses often show us what might be, not what must be, her words lilted harmonically. Perhaps you bear such grief, you have recast the weave itself, my kale. I had to think about that for a second. Though we've operated outside the strictures of time as we humans saw it. It acting in a compassionate way toward me wasn't something I was seriously entertaining, but perhaps my actions had tripped up a few things. I certainly felt I needed a few extra hugs. Could it not be the love of Tatify which has altered events? I turned things around. You are the first mother auger I've ever heard of. Yeah, I was ignoring the crowd around us. It was both good and bad. Bad was me showing affection to one lady when I was here for showing affection to too many women in their opinion. The good was me paying attention to the one who had the least, the one whose fate the rest would simply rather not think about. I am an augur. I, her words trailed off. She was a slave to the weave, a sacrifice by the host to the mysticism of the world around them. However, an auger ended up casted as an auger, I always had the impression her sisterhood quickly tried to forget them as the individuals they had once been. Well, screw that notion. A hand came to rest on my shoulder. It was the guardian, Sikia. Whatever everyone else thought, I was earning serious brownie points in her book. Hey, Sikia. Sorry. Didn't mean to ignore you, I gave a sheepish grin. I understand, Ishera, she bowed her head slightly. Tatify told me of your visitation. For me, it had been a dream. For Tatify, it had been a waking moment. Krasimira coughed. I had business to attend to. Right oh. I said as I kissed the augur's fingers. Next, I leaned awkwardly over and gave a full, lusty French kiss to Sikia. That wasn't what most of the attendees thought I was supposed to be doing but I still had to be me. I pushed up rapidly to both keep the initiative and to give the impression I was about to topple over backwards. I needed that split second of uncertainty from a certain someone. I spun, slipped my right hand behind Radha's neck and planted my lips firmly on hers. I was standing up, towering over the Indian princess, so she had to bend her body backwards as I pressed in. The oh, please fuck me now moan boiled up from deep within Radha and couldn't be misunderstood by anyone who had been given an orgasm which took them to the peak of their physical and mental limitations. The person I had to make uncertain wasn't Radha, it was Madi. In this instant, Radha needed to know she mattered to me most of all. The rest could be relied on to create emotional social constructs to explain our chaotic relationship. Radha and I were too raw. She needed an open and public declaration I wasn't going anywhere or denying there was an us. When I finally pulled away, Radha's eyes were feverish, her bosom heaved with passion and I'd banished her doubts. Oh, and Madi was furious. Madi, I bowed in acknowledgement, spun away before her retort spilled forth, took five steps and went to one knee before Oneida. I leaned in awkwardly, Oneida figured out my intentions and met my embrace halfway. Our kiss, while packing in all the accessories, was more sedate and romantic what Oneida deserved. I left her smiling. Better for me, I left with Shani giving me a veiled sign of her approval. I hadn't gone to Oneida first, but she recognized I was acting in a diplomatic fashion, which was probably for the best as far as the host was concerned. In a maneuver reminiscent of a Cossack, I went knee-to-knee from Oneida to Gail. Gail recoiled. We'd had sex, not a relationship. May I kiss your hand? I requested. She shot her house head a worried look. Isn't it a little late for that, Claudia's words dripped with venom. What I hadn't appreciated was while Claudia was the house head, she also was Gail's big sister. Whoops. I risked it and took Gail's hand anyway. For friendship and respect, I planted a firm kiss on her knuckles. For affection and gratitude, I said as I turned her hand over and planted delicate kisses on her fingertips and finally her palm. It took her a second to play catch up. What are you grateful for? Gail asked. Oh, I hesitated. Well, our lovemaking was wonderful for me. I hoped, and Gail blushed. Chaz, do you like seafood? Pamela asked casually, and in English. I'm from an island nation. It is somewhat of a necessity, he replied deadpan. I kept deep, meaningful eye contact with Gail, seemingly ignoring the mutterings around us. Implying any woman you've slept with, even as a one-night stand, had been a completely memorable experience is an indispensable dating skill, i.e., so please ignore the other women presently bearing my children, my fiancé, and my other past, current and hopefully future sexual misadventures. Would you let my sister's hand go? dia growled, back to hit Hittite. I was on the sparring mat, so force escalation was highly likely. I reluctantly released Gail's hand. She had the ego-boosting effect of sighing as she let my hand slide away from hers. So, I looked around as I stood. Why are we here? The queen wishes peace, Krasimira began. I felt warm inside. Aya was looking out for me. Cool, I beamed. Where do I sit? Where is the rest of House Ishera? Krasimira's gaze flickered to the outsiders with me. I travel alone. These are Pamela Cotito's buddies, I lied. That earned a whole series of looks for both me and my entourage. Oh, Krasimira accepted my lie at face value. Pamela, you are not welcome here at this meeting. I choose to be rude, Pamela responded. This has been long overdue, Elsa stood. I had no idea who would win an Elsa vs Pamela fight. I wasn't going to find out today because a dozen Amazons looked ready to make this an unfair brawl. Okay, I intervened. I had a fight with my bodyguard earlier today, then a confrontation with the cult of the Jaguar this afternoon which required Pamela and the rest having to come rescue me. Besides, the rest don't speak our language. You are among sisters, Ishera, Krasimira, chided me. Practice the truth. I didn't scoff. That would have been impolite and highly unwise. I'll do my best, I bowed my head. I'll also stand here in the middle, since everyone else seems comfortable. That meant no one would have to make space for Pamela and company. As I said, Krasimira began again, our queen wishes peace between our houses and hopes the blood of Ishera can facilitate this somewhat. Oh, they are going to take turns beating me up, was the first thing to come to my mind and probably some others as well. How so? I asked first. The words were forming on other lips as I spoke. By the adoption of daughters among those gathered here, Krasimira stated. No! Rada blurted out. Oneida's hand protectively went over her womb. For peace, Krasimira suggested to Rada. Madi was livid over our shared indiscretion as well as Radha's outburst. If Radha hadn't already been placed on the Regency Council, Madi might have removed her status as apprentice. What does this have to do with us? Jana Zorja gave a worried look. It was thought a child of Elsa Zorja and Kailashara could be adopted by House Meenakshi, aka Madi and Radha. We have not had intercourse, Elsa clarified at her house head's glance, though if I had, it would be none of your business since I am presently with the security detail. Jana bristled, as did Marlene. I do not. Sleep with every Amazon I feel a connection with here at Havenstone, I protested. And at the start I always used a condom. Even with the goddess Ishara's command, I have never wanted to bring any woman grief. I certainly don't want to create trading tokens because of some feud which happened before I stepped foot in this wacky place. Besides, Gail might not be. I am, Gail sulked. Fine, I soaked up more bad news from the man-dog-pig perspective, I will not agree to trade a single child of Ishera. Besides, Madi glowered at Radha, it could be a son. Ouch. Radha looked as if her mother had just slapped her, worse, had strangled her favorite kitten before her eyes. We can settle that matter," Krasimira continued, guiding the meeting. "We are in the presence of an augur, after all. Oh, that was why I was meeting Tatify here. It helps if she has a link to the fate of a person she seeks to investigate, as well as something the person loves. Oh, so we are going to castrate him and hand her his balls?" Madi muttered. Whoa now," such as, I inquired. A personal belonging, or body part, hair will do, Krasimira informed me. Oh, I sighed happily. I went over to Tatify, knelt before her and took her right hand to place upon my lips. To read the fates of me and my children, you need some of my hair or that of someone I love? Yes, she smiled. Your hair will do, if there is any doubt, Tatify. I knew that, she announced, but I wanted to hear you say it, she shared her joy with the crowd. Would it help to have some of my hair as well? I proffered. It would indeed, her lips trembled sensuously. I pulled out my trusty Amazon blade and sawed off a few locks while she did the same. I handed them over. Step back, Sikia cautioned me. She didn't need to. The moment my hair touched Tatify's hands, other presences entered the room behind her terrifying and majestic in their power, the goddesses and mystic protectors of the augurs, Istastat and Papaya. They seemed to be as surprised I could see them as I was to be seeing them. The room's dimensions distorted and lost all clear points of reference. It was the illusions which concealed the weave being laid bare. Unlike her sisters, Tatafi's life's essence was burning down brightly to a very predetermined end, the birth of our daughter, Shala, there would be no slow, lingering demise for her. Added to that, she was the sixth auger. When the other five augers had pierced the veil of the weave with her to find the ally the host needed most, the agony had been too much for them. The five had soaked up all that pain and agony, ending their lives so the sixth could bear the message to the person the weave dictated could wield the news most effectively, me, as payment, Ishera had insisted I have sex with Tatify, guaranteeing the death of her poison racked body with the birth of our offspring. I had done so callously. Tatify had done so, for her own reasons, perhaps to end the echoes of the death screams of her sisters as they fulfilled their mission. Now the possible destinies of my other children were being discussed and the two goddesses were making an appearance. Perhaps they were aware the heir of Vranus was playing Russian roulette with creation. More likely, they knew I was up to something, yet in the tangled weave of all the possible futures, they couldn't tell what dangers existed amid all the darkness and confusion. Tatify spit into her hands as she rolled our combined hairs together. When she had created one long strand, she began to pull the concoction apart. The first effort fell into two parts. I didn't know what to make of that. Thank goodness I'm not an auger. ICA, closet, the auger's brow furrowed. A woman in shadow, a fast horse, bearing messages, I had to put that together. My closet ninja who I'd ridden like the Pony Express, Miyako Yuki. A member of the seven families of the ninja, I provided. Twin daughters, Tatify made her prediction. Wow. Life, slender Miyako with twins would be tough. I had to get word to her. How had Saku missed that? Twin souls? Ah, Fushishu and Yuzora. I conjured the second name. That is Suez Yirani and Ispand in our tongue. The next was an equitable serpentine entwining of her white hair and my black. Peaceful, beautiful and strong of body and mind, an exemplar of our people, Parvati? Tatify worked through the next bit of soothsaying. Her face clouded, even as Radha's brightened. She will die still in her youth much loved and a bitter foe. When an auger predicted peaceful she didn't mean non-violent, she meant of calm mind. Youth didn't mean child, it meant in your first decade of being cast. Still, that sucked big time for the three of us mother, father and daughter. My granddaughter will die a hero of the host? Madi murmured. Bitter foam meant hated by our enemies thus a memorable threat to them. The auger was still in the midst of her soothsaying. The third casting was a bit of hair in a loop. A son of two houses and three lives, many loving sisters and favored by his mothers. Hmm, two houses was easy, Amazon and someone else. Three lives, I knew one group who played it being a third person, the Hashishin. By Heliosin, I supplied the name Astir Abed and I had been toying with. In Kurdish it meant, keep it simple. What better advice could I give a son of mine? A daughter of Bendis, Tatify announced as she traced a corkscrewed bit of bound hair. Gail gasped. Inky blackness, a night sky with few stars, a place which is cold beyond cold, yet warmed by hope and fearlessness, the moon grows small, yet is strong in her heart. Sounded like utter nonsense, except I worked with Jicket. It only took me a few seconds. Gail, our daughter is going to be an astronaut, I turned her way. Skepticism and disbelief surrounded me. Gail, her goduncle is the great Khan, who not only controls the largest Russian spaceport, He also has captured the largest spaceport in China as well. He controls the third spaceport in China too, if you wanna rub it in," I added. And if the Amazons do send someone into space, who better than a child of the moon? Bendis was the Thracian lunar deity. Why? Gail finally asked. Did our queen not say the world is too small a place? I answered. Why shouldn't the Amazons seek a future out among the stars? We have certainly headed out into the dangerous unknown before and survived. Now we have access to the resources to help us do just that. Those are outsiders, Gail protested. House Bendis was part of the conservative faction of the council. I'm not making this up, Gail. Tatify is. Have you thought of a name? Ah, no. How about Hantetsipeta? I suggested. It had two meanings. Long form, first place. Short form, lucky. I left her to digest that because the auger hadn't stopped. A large temple without a roof filled with people, a son and daughter, a white stallion rises up upon the graves of thirteen kings. A gift of two rivers steeped in blood. Anna Kalina, she stumbled over the names, and Arpad. The last name I knew, which boiled back to the roofless temple, the Sikeshvahervar Basilica in Hungary where I planned to marry Hannah was a ruin, roofless. Two sets of twins? My family didn't have a history of twins. i check with Hannah, but I strongly suspected my matron deity sticking it to me once again. Maybe I should buy my own daycare center. Maybe Pamela looks like she wants to slap me upside my head too. A boy born in hatred with a heart which heals if he, the vision appeared to confuse Tatify, which was ugly to contemplate. That would most likely mean others fucking with the weave as well. Born in safety by a ghost and a name, Hannah. A pause. That vision had been physically costly for the auger. So many women hated me, a ghost? Ayn A W N F A-W-N-F-E-W-N, known by another name not her own, Bansilgar, not our own, more painful, mystic discombobulation on her part. Fortunately, I didn't know the names, but I know the second name's ethnic point of origin, Irish. Aunt Imogen. Ainfine Fien meant, Stormy Huntress, sweet. Now if I only knew which side that daughter would end up on. The trickster, shining son of the sun who jests and whose great heart remains untouched, no matter what the burden, ash tatify regained some of her focus this one had to be oneida and my offspring is son i stole a glance at her face she was stunned not heartbroken we will name him bruce i expelled my worry in honor of the quintessential ash man who she looked up at me teary-eyed when i come back from the great hunt we will spend a weekend watching all the evil dead films i got out and baba hodip pamela tacked on and sundown, I almost missed yet another Campbell cult classic. Focus-ish era, huffed Cressimira maternally. I'm about to have a dozen children. I wanna die, blurted forth from my lips. I thought this would be welcome newscale, Tatify wailed. She'd exerted so much effort on my behalf, only to have me act spasmodically infantile? It isn't you, Tatify, I soothed her with both words and a gentle hand along her jawline from earlobe to her lower lip. I didn't come to Havenstone expecting fatherhood, and I know for a fact every househead present has okayed the murder of at least one infant boy, so I don't trust a single one of them, which means I have to take full responsibility for every male child. And you remain an eleventh year in your heart, she reasoned. Yeah, pretty much. Eleventh year, an Amazon pretest, thus free of any true duties. I let her slump into me. Her guardian deities had faded into the ether so it was safe for her to be human again. Wait. How come you understand that when no one else does? I have seen your spirit self, Kailashara, she reminded me. The real you. We seem to be no closer to resolving our disputes, Jana interrupted my bonding moment. What do you want? I slowly repositioned myself so I had Tatify in my lap, facing me. It was somewhat sexual, but it allowed her to regain some comfort from her ordeal. Sikia was very close by. Redress of Menakshi insults, Jana derided me. Don't be a child, I spat back before Madi could get her own vicious licks in. Jana's face clouded, as did Marlene's and Elsa's. You know nothing of what you speak of, Ishara, yet you now feel free to insult us, she simmered. Don't know, don't care. It was all before my time. I care about the here and now as well as what we do in the future. What I am asking you is what concrete item or thing can be provided to House Zorja to put this blood feud behind you. Name it and House Ishera will endeavor to procure it for you. We are not merchants, Jana's eyes narrowed. No. I didn't imply you were. If you want new sandals for everyone in your house, I'll find you new sandals. If you want 100,000 acres of ranch land, I'll find you the land. Name it, I persisted. Our prestige cannot be bought, she explained. No, but a blood feud with House Ishera can be avoided by making a request of us in the same way as expressing your desire to harm my daughter can be expressed by denying my offer, I hardened. And fuck you very much if you think I won't use every son, daughter, mother, aunt, and uncle of Ishera when I come gunning for House Zorja too. You wouldn't dare bring outsiders into this, Claudia interjected. Why not? Why not? The offices of Ishera handed House Zorja the coup of the century, the capture of the People's Liberation Army Navy nuclear carrier. A member of House Zorja commanded that task, yet they did so by leading forces marshaled by House Ishera, outsider forces. You may wish to keep playing by old rules concerning who is and isn't part of a house, but I am not so constrained. Sisters. So Clavdia, if House Meenakshi pursues its blood feud with House Zorja, House Ishera will gleefully join them in the pummeling, And we have Isherans in the Nine Clans, the Khanate and the Illuminati who will gladly help us out in slapping them around like the old-fashioned curmudgeons they are showing themselves to be, or, House Zorja may request a gift from House Ishera and we will happily clear accounts between them and House Meenakshi in the name of our daughter, Parvati. Their choice. You are still on the mats, Elsa reminded me. Sikia coiled protectively next to us. And you said something about a lesson being long overdue, Pamela smirked, kitten. Kailashara, Shani said in a soft voice, perhaps it is germane to the argument, the fault of the blood feud rests with House Zorja, not House Meenakshi. I fell on my back, carrying Tatify with me. She gasped out in surprise while remaining closely cuddled with me. Her right hand never left my lips. Why does no one tell me this shit? I moaned. You are hard, Tatify announced. Are you ready to have more sex? she was sounding upbeat about our prospects. She was also ignorant of our surroundings being deaf and blind to the mortal realm. Gossamer Wing, I created a pet name for the augur, we are lying on the sparring mats of a large combat arena in the central full-blooded training center for Havenstone with roughly 500 sisters in attendance, the audience had grown. While I am enticed by your scent, words, proximity and sweet memories of what we shared, I'm probably going to be badly beaten up really soon for a terrific diplomatic snafu but then we can have sex? Yeah. I'm totally up for having sex with you after they release me from medical, I assured her. I looked around her to a very unhappy Mahdi. Can you find it in your heart to forgive House Zorja? Anything I can, yes, she abruptly cut me off. What the fuck? At this time, my hatred of House Ishara and you in particular, make any grievance I have with House Zorja pale in comparison. You have bewitched my only daughter. She bears your child, and it will be a wonderful child if the soil auger you've stuck your dick in is to be believed, she ground out bitterly. I want to go home. I want to find enemies to kill. And when I do, Kale Ishera, know each and every one of them will carry your face in my mind. She turned to Jana. Do you agree that we both hate Ishera enough to put aside our current differences? Jana studied Madi, me, then Madi again and agreed. She stood. Mahdi stood. They clasped arms like Amazons, then hugged like sisters. Agreed. He is much worse. My thoughts on the matter. Woot. I was having sex. Oh, and I was making Aya happy by ending a blood feud. My admiration of you continues to increase, Krasimira looked at me. This diplomacy stuff is harder than it looks yet you pull it off so effortlessly. Yay me. I muttered. Keeper, are we done? Sikia asked Krasimira. I believe so, the older Amazon rose to her feet. Sikia was far faster in rising. Madi of Minachi, you have insulted me and my auger. Defend yourself, she snarled. If Tatify hadn't been immediately present, Madi wouldn't have even warranted a warning no doubt. Had you done your job, Madi flowed into her fighting stance, you both wouldn't be pregnant? Whoa now, I struggled to rise while keeping Tatify close and my body between her and the Meenakshi-slash-Zorja side of the mat. Sikia, I can't let you fight. You're pregnant too. Don't be stupid, Kailashara, Sikia retreated off the mat, so she could shed her jacket and footwear. Amazons have fought pregnant for thousands of years. Hold on now, NYPD Sergeant Larissa Kutuzov said in English as she moved forward. I was a millisecond too late. Larissa's foot touched down on the mat and Marlene Zorja popped her one, a hand chop, to the larynx. The senior cop stumbled forward. Mom, shouted Nikita. Marlene followed up with a leg sweep, putting Larissa face first on the mats, then a fist strike to the back of the head, knocking her out. Neat and tidy, in less than two seconds. Nikita was about to charge in when Chaz stopped her. Footwear, he advised in the tone of voice I had learned to associate with him and imminent violence. The moment he stopped her, he was quickly removing his own socks and shoes. Virginia and Pamela were doing the same. I was allowed freedom of movement because I was holding Tatify. Krasimira exited because of her unique status. The rest were already barefoot. Gail, could you please stay with Tatify? I tried to hand her off? No, Gail looked me over. I will fight. No hint on whose side she would be fighting on. Krasimira came to my rescue. I'll take her. Tatify, I told the augur, I have to go get beaten up now, but I promise I will be back for you directly. This is not your fight, Krasimira said. The words and deeds are Sikia's. Ah, uh, she carries my child And B, the deeds being called into question are my fault. You told me once they were the will of Ishara, Krasimira mused. We are one in the same, I gave a lopsided grin. Be careful, Tatify pleaded. Your future is a chaotic jumble, I cannot see, eh, I've been very bad. We'll talk about it later. Gotta go, I headed onto the mats. Pamela was giving the ground rules to the normals no fair warnings. No fair play. No timeouts. You fought until unconscious, or you surrendered. This is going to suck. Virginia assessed our odds. Two Amazons had removed Larissa from the mats and were tending to her. Nikita was kneeling by her side until she heard Virginia, then came our way. Besides Sikia, we had Pamela, Chaz, Virginia, myself and Nikita. Oneida stepping up was nice. She wasn't a great combatant, but we dearly needed the help. Gail joining us was, unsettling. Amazons don't play fair, so this could be a ruse. Against us were all three Zorja and both Meenakshi, I imagined Radha felt she had something to prove to her mother. They'd picked up ten other Amazons and Ronwan Nemain. Claudia joined them to counterbalance her baby sister. 8-17 to 17, ouch. Damn, a familiar voice from my first days on the job spoke up from behind me, we almost missed this. I didn't dare look over my shoulder. Desiree stepped between Chaz and Virginia. Rachel came up on my left and Tiger Lily on my right. At the tail end of our line was Mona, Meridian, Brielle, and Weisloa. Fifteen to seventeen was looking much better, especially considering Desiree had brought five security detail warriors with her, all of whom were moving to further bolster our numbers. Rachel, Elsa looked to her underling, you have no idea why you are fighting. It is for Kale. So it must be for a better tomorrow, Rachel laughed. Very well, Elsa smirked. You! Mati pointed at me, and we both charged. It was a jumbled nightmare of clashing bodies, war cries and flashes of movement all around. Our side had two main advantages, while Chaz was by no means the best hand-to-hand combatant present, he knew the basic Amazon style and most Amazons didn't know his. Added to his overall height and bulk advantages, he bought us time. Of greater importance, Rachel, Tiger Lily and Mona had extensive training working as a team, which none of the opponents had. Elsa was the most dangerous individual on the mat. Pamela was the second most dangerous, so Elsa grabbed a couple of partners and ganged up on her to drive her off the mats. Chaz went next, out Elsa had and beaten unconscious. The issue was, it took her too long to accomplish those two feats. By the time she rounded on me, Rachel and Tiger Lily, our half of the field had wiped out theirs. It was six of us: me, Rachel, Tiger Lily, Gail, Weiselawat, and Desiree, versus four of them, Elsa, Marlene, Claudia, and Ronwin. Still, I was facing Elsa, so a judicious bit of treachery was required. Gail, I huffed and puffed, please retire. I don't want you to fight your sister. What? Gail snapped. She'd taken a beating, yet remained feisty. No. Fighting her sister is okay with me, Desiree scowled. We are still facing fucking Elsa. All the other women you have mated with have failed. I remain, Gail trumpeted. Oh, you are right, I have turned. All the reason you are more precious to me. Really? Of course, I deepened my introspective appreciation of her. Oh, and Clavdia punched Ronwen. That was an oh, Kaelish era must actually care for my baby sister and not be just a playa on Claudia's part. Yeah, I'm a horrible fucking person at times. Rachel, Tiger Lily, and I rushed Elsa. Marlene pivoted toward against Claudia while Gail and Weislawa stormed in against her. Desiree helped Claudia finish drubbing Ronwin before they combined to force Marlene off the mats. Elsa chose to go down swinging in a dog pile of bodies. I took an ear-ringing blow to the head which allowed Rachel to apply a chokehold and it was lights out for the head of SD. After some water bottles went around and those concussed returned to wakefulness, the resolution of the brawl was decided. Madi apologized to Sikia. It was short, terse and sparing of any empathy, yet was within the bounds of Amazon etiquette. She departed with Radha, which left me to pick up the pieces, starting with Nikita's mom. Oh, the older woman moaned then, Ms. Fredrickson? What are you doing here? Avenging you, mother, Nikita fluffed up the truth. She, Kale and the others, cleaned house on the woman who jumped you and her allies. Desk sergeant, Desiree gave a curt nod. This isn't over, Larissa winced as she moved to a sitting position. Mrs. Kutuzov, it is over, I headed off a colossal waste of time. This is my daily life and part of your daughter's life with Jicket. You will find scant witnesses and no tape recordings of these events. This craziness is just another day in the life here at Havenstone. You stepped on the mat and thus became fair game to any physical confrontation an opponent cared to meet out. Consider this sovereign soil of an independent nation-state. We. she looked around. You kicked their asses? Definitely, Pamela gave a feral snarl. This is plain nuts, she shook her head, winced in cranial pain, And put her aching head in her hands. One of the reasons we've put our dating in hiatus, Nikita comforted her mother while looking at me, and smiling affectionately. Ah, for fuck's sakes. I was engaged to someone else and having a dozen kids, by ten different women. How could I still possibly be considered viable dating material? Oh yeah, Marshall Valor, laughing at death, I hung out with truly exceptional cool people and I would always be in need of saving, a plus for a crusader like Nikita. I had so many allies to tend to, but only one who seemed to be making an exit. I swooped down on Tatify long enough to place her fingers to my lips. I'll be right back, friend of a friend in need, and off I went. I caught Tavi of House Stalgos just outside the door. She wasn't avoiding me. She'd been observing Chaz and he had been otherwise occupied. My British companion had played a pivotal role in the combat and taken his beating like a man. He'd been rendered unconscious. So had many others, so no stigma was attached to his loss. Post-battle, he had chosen to sit on his haunches, knees up, talking to several of the Amazons, both kneeling and standing. A few had been bystanders and a few others foes. He stayed on his ass to reduce his height advantage. Letting Amazons make eye contact while not having to look up at you created definite benefits. His good-natured approach to his role in the fight and pummeling earned him positive vibes as well. He made it clear the tussle to him was not macho personal. He was my brother-slash-sister-slash-sibling spiritually speaking via Pamela adopting us both as her grandsons, so my fights were his fights. Sikia had my, Kale's, child, so that bond extended to her as well family. Pamela and I had schooled him on Amazon Psychology, and those lessons were now paying serious dividends. The male hadn't wanted to fight them. Amazons are tough he'd confessed, he knew this because he worked with several every day on Jicket but family was on the line, so he fought. Mahdi had apologized, so the matter was settled. The other Amazons he'd fought? They had fought for their reasons and he was okay with not questioning them about it. Why? He was conscious of his conspicuous status as a guest, knew he was in no way an Amazon, and was not privy to what motivated them. He didn't want to be an Amazon. He had his own, much younger, martial tradition he was proud of, yet was eager to learn from the vastly greater Amazon war lore because winners didn't have a gender bias and no other tradition could compete with the Amazon's 3,000 years. Under normal circumstances, the women around him wouldn't have given credence to his praise. He was a male, after all. Through the tiny tear I created in their insulating social fabric, Chaz was building upon his own exploits. In the after-battle analysis, the Amazons reflected on the realization Elsa had concentrated on him as her number two objective, second only to Pamela who scared everyone who knew anything about her. That bolstered Chaz's appeal. For the Amazons who thought a male would get all pouty and cry over being beaten up by a girl slash girls, Chaz was breaking the mold. He wasn't angry. He was amused. The fight had been a learning experience and he'd felt honored to watch, no matter how briefly, a warrior of Elsa's caliber fight. He'd explained I, Kale Wakoishara, considered Elsa one of the top five combatants I'd ever seen, which included Ajax, the Unconquered. The others were Sakunia's, reborn Amazon and former Queen of Assyria, St. Marie, the Golden Mare, and Pamela, the Cliff Walker. More happy Amazons, because the list's only non-Amazon was a dead hero from the Trojan Wars and it was well known I got around, aka dealt with violent outsiders. Chaz was telling the truth, almost. The fifth person on the list was alil but explaining him would be difficult, so Chaz edited him for this particular audience. Good man. In the hallway, Tavi, a moment, I called out. She slowed down, took a few more steps allowing me to catch up. Yes ishara, she gave me her best neutral look. Yep. She was jealous. I begged two favors from you, I quickly went down to one knee in her path. That caught her off guard and left her in the awkward position of me being terribly close and staring up at her. I, I will listen, she muttered. I would like to know if you are pregnant, I asked very softly. Yes, she was, but she didn't want to tell me. She contemplated pushing past me. It would be very easy. I know I am stepping beyond the boundaries between warriors. Please. My destiny has brought you two together. I am at fault here. Fault was the key word. If I have a son, he will be given to the queen, Tavi's face was stern and unforgiving. He will live. That's not what he's worried about, I shook my head. He wants to be a father to your daughter, Tavi. He wants to introduce you to his mother and grandmothers, maybe his sisters too, if that can be arranged. Huh? He is not like me, Tavi. There is no other in his life, but you. I, I will not leave my house for him, she protested angrily. He would never ask you. That doesn't mean he doesn't want to remain at your side for years to come. He can be a father to your child and not be a part of Hostalgos in the same way you can be a mother to your child and not be a part of Clan tomorrow. Oh, she furrowed her brow. How would this possibly work? I have an in with the queen, I winked. I'll work out something. He knows I will never stop being an Amazon, she elucidated intensely. Absolutely. He is. An intelligence operative, after all. He's figured a few things out for himself. Why doesn't he tell me these things? Tavi, he threw his body on top of me to shield me from a bomb blast, so he's undoubtedly brave, but telling you what is in his heart is scary for him. As his brother, I see behind his silence, oh, what should I do, she was vexed. Go back in there, demand to speak with him and tell him the truth, I stood up. The truth? That you are going to have a little stalgos tomorrow, right? running around sometime next year, I exuded confidential friendliness. era, she tilted her head slightly, you don't know much about infants, do you? Nope, I pseudo-confessed. I actually did know something about newborns. I'd studied up so I could make a move on a cute girl whose free time was eaten up by babysitting, so I helped out. Oink! They aren't running around, she turned to head back into the gym, until the ninth month at the earliest. Normally, running doesn't happen until the 18th month. My fiancé has a three-year-old so she should be able to help me through some of the hardest parts, I babbled along. Tavi didn't give a crap. In we went. Tavi stormed straight toward the bevy of Amazon babes, concentrating on her Chaz. Color sergeant tomorrow, she abruptly interrupted. A moment of your time. Ladies, Chaz uncoiled himself from the surrounding women. The Amazons were either mildly put off, they thought they were about to get laid, or pissed off, They were sure they were about to get laid, and Tavi was stomping on their happy. Yes, Ms. Gentry, Chaz linked his hands behind his back in a rest-easy stance. Gentry was the fake last name Tavi used in the outside world. She motioned toward the windows with her head. Off they went. I couldn't hear what was being said, but my lip-reading skills were up to the task. T, I am pregnant, C, I love you, T, O, stunned. Go Chaz. See, well, I don't imagine the Amazons have a marriage ceremony and an Anglican service would be inappropriate, so perhaps we could research a Scythian ritual which could make both families happy, delivered in the patented smooth Chaz style. T, marriage? To you? See, I will not submit to being anyone's slave, nor would I ever ask you to submit to me. Outside of that, will you be my partner and my partner alone until the cliffs separate us? T, Amazons are not monogamous, C, I am, T, I will, I mean, can I think about this? C, I am not going anywhere, Tavi, pause, T, did you put Ishera, Kale Ishera, up to this? C, yes, T, why? C, I imagine he explained what I am feeling better than I could, T, oh, do you want me to meet your mother and grandmothers? C, absolutely, T, okay, C, okay you would like to meet my mother and grandmothers? T, no, yes, I mean, yes I would like to meet them and I am okay with you being with no other woman until the cliffs separate us, and I will do the same, no other males, see, if I pick you up, hug you and kiss you, will your sisters freak out? T, I don't know. So Chaz swept Tavi up until her head was higher than his, a feat, considering their 8-inch height differential, and kissed her deeply. Mumbled words followed. Tavi wrapped her legs around Chaz's waist and out they went. Around me were angry murmurings of the did-that-Amazon-just-run-off-with-our-manned variety. Not my problem. I had plenty of different Amazons wanting my attention. Hallelujah! 8 PM, don't try this at home. I covered my face with a pillow and pressed down hard. I'd already tried breathing exercises, meditation and even contemplated more cranial trauma before thinking up this particular crazy idea. It took some mental effort and accessing some of my aloe pain sorting skills to accomplish, but in the end, I felt myself let go. I sat up. Hello, Tadify beamed. Hey, I took a deep breath. Since we were talking, I must have passed out. Her eyes wandered over the room. Is this the world as you see it, she wondered. Oh yeah, I had to be creating the environment for her to enjoy. Sikia was kneeling on the bed a foot away her gaze moving between the two of us. The grayness of her form suggested she was wholly in reality and not in the Ashara space the goddess had shown me and I was now sharing with my augur. This is how you see me, she examined her fingers, her wrists, then some long locks of her hair. You are more beautiful, I answered. The impact of my words crossing over drew her eyes back to me. It was the magic of hearing for the normally deaf girl. I concentrated, peeled back some fantasy and attached a realistic form to Sikia. Tatify followed my gaze. Your hair, she addressed her guardian, it is lighter than I imagined. Sikia said something I couldn't understand, muffled as it was by my dreaming. I cannot hear you, but I see you through his eyes, the auger carried on her conversation. They touched. It had to be somewhat bizarre for Sikia. As she reached for tatify's hand, Her friend intercepted the extended member. Their fingers intertwined before completing the journey to the Guardian's lips. Don't cry, no, we couldn't have, no, we shouldn't have knocked him out sooner. I don't think he was aware of this discipline when we first met. Were you, Kale? No. Perhaps if I had understood more about the consequences of seeing ghosts, I might have, I tapered off. Now that we know. I can try this more often." Your health? tatify worried. I might. Be immortal, I confessed. I was confessing because I was desperately seeking a way to share some of my genetic quirkiness with her some strength to carry her through this pregnancy and spare her life, Ishara'd be damned. And you would seek a way to spare me, she graced me with her gentle presence. Lying in the spirit world was a whole lot tougher than in the flesh. Yeah. I've got some arcane lore rattling around in my head, Plus I have a few outside sources I can ask for help. I'm not giving up on you. I have foreseen my death. Well, unforesee it, I scolded her. Ishara told me we see what might happen, though nothing is guaranteed. So even your death isn't an absolute. Since it hasn't happened, I see no reason to let it happen. You are going to live to hold our daughter. If not, my immortality is worthless. You can never save everyone. Sometimes you must let a few go to save the rest, she advised. If I find someone I'm not attached to, I'll let them go. I promise. Until then, I'm, ugh, I'm fading, and I'm keeping you. We shall see, she murmured. I fell back into my body, and into wakefulness. Now we have sex, Tatify announced in a melodic voice. He is ready to perform, Sikia agreed. She was fondling my balls with one hand while her breath played across my rod. I sat up to see the auger climbing up the bed between my thighs. She kissed my glands, licked across its top, then kissed it again. I've got it from here, she told Sikia. What? Sikia was confused. Tataphy's lips began to engulf my cockhead. Sikia, come here, I gently pulled on her arm. She was conflicted, yet up some came. We started out with tender kisses on the lips. I kept drawing her toward me. My lips and tongue migrated down her chin and throat to her breasts. When she thought my target was her breasts, she was all on board. That was a mere stop-off point on my journey, though I played around for a while. At the same time, I had to use subtle movements with my hips and clenches with my gluts to school tatify on her filatio. Thankfully, I was doubly blessed. This wasn't my first time schooling two girls at once and Tatify could determine more from such minimal reactions due to her heightened sense of my muscle contractions through her touch than any other woman I'd ever met. When I began running my tongue in large lashes underneath her breasts, I confused Sikia once more. She was resistant as my hands on her hips pulled her higher so that my lips and teeth could tease her taut stomach while I twirled my tongue in her belly button. She giggled. I had been slowly wiggling down the bed, backing Tatify up, so when it came time to mount Sikia on my face, I had the headboard room. I kept her muscular thighs securely in hand because the moment I had her happy, I pushed her up. She looked down, seeking guidance and I motioned her to turn around. She did the eyeball math, realized she'd be facing her auger, and hastily obeyed. Of course, her movement on the bed alerted Tatify through mattress vibrations. Sikia was sitting on my face, leaning down so she could run her hands through Tatify's hair and along her face and lips, and my phallus. I kept my hands pressed between our bodies. My right made the sojourn to my pubic area to play around and give them both something else to suck on, my fingers. My left loitered around between Sikia's breasts and her clitoris when my lips were otherwise occupied. I could cup her clit with my tongue in a U shape, rubbing it along my taste buds. Most of my time was taken up with my tongue broad lashing her vulva or tightly twisted and delving into her vagina and my nose pushing against her brown hole. I could tilt myself up so I could make tongue intrusions into her back passage as well. The first time, she squealed. Before she could decide if she wanted to make me stop, she did, virtually all first timers always default to asking their partner to stop, so you have to distract them, Tatify wanted to know what had brought her reaction on. Then came Sikia's troubled revelation of what I was doing, how the auger shouldn't suffer through it, despite the increasing pleasure she was receiving, only to finally be unable to supply the answer as to why Tatify shouldn't experience it too. Sikia shot me a treasured look of bewilderment. I'd brought her to orgasm with my tongue alone. I was a guy after all. Switch. I suggested. Tatify was still administering one of the slowest, most considerate blowjobs I'd ever experienced. She wasn't rushing toward anything. Sure, she was unschooled, but was devoting her incredible sensitivities to my pleasure and taking pleasure in her ability to bring me to such excitement. Change places, she mused. Okay. Tattify's lips slid off me with one final, loud pop, then she used her spider-like fingers to climb up my body while Sikia traveled south. She lavished butterfly kisses on my face childish, yet so very appropriate between us and I mirrored the gesture. With some reluctance, she mounted me, facing Sikia. My tongue flicking across her clit on its first exploration brought out a joyous gasp. It only got better from there. The long slide into domestic life, twins? Hannah snuggled into my arms. We were at her place, naked in bed together after a late late night unscheduled meeting with some VIPs. Despite the late slash early hour, she was alert, tense even. It had been a mentally stimulating late night encounter which had brought me to her bed. Yes. That is what Tatify predicted, I inserted between raining kisses down on her forehead. Hannah liked non-distracting attention when she was in this kind of mood. She was exhausting herself mentally as she was building up to being amorous. Anna Kalina and Arpad, she worked over the names on her tongue. They have a special meaning? Only if you are Hungarian and Romanian, I teased her. She elbowed me slightly. Arpad was the semi-mystical pagan warlord who led the ten tribes who became known as the Hungarians the Magyar peoples into the Carpathian Basin, present-day Hungary. Anna Kalina was born a Byzantine princess of the storied house of Basarab, she married Radu Negru, thus becoming the first princess of a free Wallachia, the foundation for a free Romania. She was also the great-grandmother of Dracula. So they are famous names with regional historical significance, did they live long, happy lives? Arpid, no one knows for sure. His kids were quarrelsome, but they did manage to found a dynasty at the start of the second millennia which ruled for three centuries. Anna Kalina, yeah. I think so, I continued. She lived into her 70s and her eldest son left his country stronger, richer and safer than when he received it. She did outlive her husband by over fifty years, and got to see her youngest grandson bury most of his rivals, the kids from her husband's first marriage. Ah, what? Hannah rose up until we were eye to eye. Since she was naked, her boobs swayed slightly as she did so. My eye flickered. Eyes forward, mister, she playfully barked. What happened to all her other grandsons? Wallachia in the fifteenth century was a tad rough and tumble, I evaded they killed one another? Mostly they were killed by conspiracies amongst their boyars, nobles of the time. Why does, Tatify wanna dredge up these names again, she kept eye contact. Not a clue, I pleaded. But you think it is important? No. I think you are important. Screw fate. It can name its own kids. We can chose whatever names make you happy, except Up. Up's been taken. You've named another of your offspring up? That's cruel, or does that mean something in another language I'm unaware of? She shifted her shoulders so her boobs wobbled again. Of course, I broke eye contact. I hadn't had sex in hours and her boobies were right there, damn it. Actually, Pamela and I named the secret agent in Hungary that, just to fuck with his head, I divulged. Oh. Pamela. I should have known, she slowly smiled. You are being very well behaved, she added. Woot. She noticed I wasn't throwing her down and pawing her delectable flesh. One more thing before the nuki. Name them. They're dead, I pledged. Not necessary, her sigh turned into a giggle. If I'm going to be having twins, I'm going to be rather big come late March. We need an earlier wedding date. Oh, fuck me. What do you have in mind? I tried to keep the creeping dread out of my voice. New Year's Day, she suggested. I did a quick calculation. That was annihilating 78 days out of what remained of my bachelor life. In 114 days my life would cease having any meaning whatsoever. I'd be a mister to someone's missus the end sure, I can arrange to be killed before then, stumbled out of my mouth. What was that? Hannah pouted. Nothing dear. Cosmic psychic intersection with an elude demon, don't know what came over me, I fibbed. Man up, Hannah bit my nose. Our marriage won't be that bad if we both work at it. It isn't like I'm demanding celibacy from you. Then she mouthed yet. Wait. Did you mean celibacy, as in no fun at all, or monogamy, as in only happy time with you? I desperately sought clarification. Oh, she pursed her lips. I meant monogamy. I didn't mean to scare you. Oh, thank goodness, I sighed. Here, her gaze turned tender. Let me make it up to you. Hannah placed one hand on my shoulder and rose up my body until my face was gently nestled in her bosom. Then she wiggled back and forth, basically because I'm a big baby and easy to please. I was alternating which nipple I was kissing in no time. In them, them, she murmured. I've missed you. Her other hand's fingernails coasted down my abdomen and found Mr. Happy had risen to attention. Okay, he'd been hopping up and down on my groin since she'd said we were going to bed 30 minutes ago. Hannah decided wrap up my shaft with her hand, then applied a few tender strokes. I reciprocated by cupping her left tit in one hand, forming a mound with her areola at the center, and began to twirl from the outside inward to her hardened nipple with just the tip of my tongue. It was 4 a.m., Why was I taking it slow when I had my final work review with Katrina in three hours? Hannah deserved this and more. Why was Hannah doing it? She was her own boss, plus her life was careening wildly outside of anything she'd imagined before she'd first laid eyes on me. Half of the financial empire she shared with her father was suddenly in the hands of a military dictatorship her beloved father was dealing with the murder of her hated stepbrother and she was marrying a prince in a European cathedral which required someone high in the Vatican's approval process to use. Yeah, her life had gone nuts. Worse, she loved me. And I wasn't the kind of man she ever thought she'd love. she thought she'd never love anyone again after her life with her asshole of an ex-husband and their bitter, contentious divorce. I was barely someone she could classify, and Hannah was a terribly ordered and organized person. Saying my life was messy was being generous. I was some mysterious warrior diplomat playboy aristocrat who hung out with people more bizarre than me. Hannah picked up her tempo. I switched breasts. Her motor was really starting to hum. Any other night, I could have moved straight to revving her up to an orgasm. I had the time to make it too without any problems. A good one and Hannah would be happy and drift off to sleep. Instead, I intuited she wanted more, so we developed our own game of cat and mouse with her climax, and its suspension being our ultimate goal. My left hand danced down the back of her ribcage like playing keys on a piano. It was a light, teasing gesture. Her hair the color of tarnished gold cascaded down as she began placing her own kisses upon my crown. Each move by one partner evoked a response by the other. Hannah ran my glands over her glistening labia, getting it nice and slick. I worked down her waist, cupped her ass, and then glided over her thigh to the back of her knee where I started tickling her. She snickered. You are distracting me, she murmured. I wasn't. I knew these things. I like to get the feel of every inch of your flesh, I responded. More mirthful noises from her. Slowly, her labia engulfed my cockhead and her gooey vulvar vestibule rubbed against and over the top, until I felt myself entering her vagina. There, she hesitated. I propelled my hips an inch up, twisted right then left before falling back down, a microfuck. Ah, she emoted her approval. My turn. Hannah's knees spread to the side, making a memorable sound on the silk sheets as she impaled herself. This time, she rolled her hips forward, back, then did a slow 360 with my dick inside her, letting the slow progress over her vaginal folds spark memories for her to savor. I never believed sex could be like this, Hannah hiccuped. How so? I knew the answer, but wanted her to put her chaotic passions to words. It would make her happier. Experimenting, silly. Stopping in the middle and doing this, she reversed her hip rotations this time. I never imagined a lover having such patience, or yourself as being so openly, sexually adventurous? I finished. Yeah, she huffed. I really, really owe your college professor, plus you and all your diligence, for this, at the last moment, she encountered the gateway to her G-spot. I knew precisely where that gem was. Previously, Hannah had gained a vague idea where it was from the perspective of masturbation and our prior lovemaking. Now I had let Hannah rediscover the joy with my cock as her tool to utilize as she wished. You realize pregnant women want even more sex, she hummed. She was vigorously working my penis now. Hannah had bridged a huge gap, sexually. Normally, a woman of Hannah's quality tried to please her man first with the hope her orgasm would soon follow. I was different. My greatest sexual gratification came from her ecstasy. She was confident in that now. By bringing herself to climax, she was making me excited for what would come next. That's okay, I propped myself up on one elbow now that Hannah was riding me cowgirl style. I dig big chicks. The open palm slap to the chest was a given. Her sage, you, you are horrible, she growled around a feral smile. The lip-biting, tongue-sucking kiss was equally vicious, primal and leading Hannah to the end of her tether. Not only was Hannah's sexual trust in me slash us expanding, she was putting extra effort into her physical workout regime too. She might still have a ways to go to compete with an Amazon, but it was still going to be a great night. For segni, I am nothing but a twisted shadow of masculine lust whose every contour is cast by your melibris glow, I teased. Her eyes twinkled. Yes, definitely still going to be a great night. Okay, Hannah yawned, I give up. What does nilibris mean? She'd been holding on to that for an hour and a half. It was 5.30 and I was dressing in my biking clothes before heading into work. From the Latin niliebri. Which means womanly, I answered. Her sleepy eyes drank in both my response and my physique. I had discovered another thing Hannah liked and that was to expand her academic-slash-linguistic frontiers. She was enchanted with the idea that I liked to engage her mind along with her body, sparking on all cylinders. She'd crawled over to my side of the bed, her head resting on my pillow, soaking up my scent as she watched me. I knelt down, kissed her on her ear, cheek, and finally the side of her lips. Hannah was beat. Have a good day and be careful, she mumbled. Her eyes closed. Her chest rose with one last, waking breath before her sleep rhythms took her. Ditto, I whispered. I snuck into Anala's room and planted a kiss on her head as well. The craziness of my life had a way of cascading over to the ones I loved. Loved? Oh boy. To be continued. I final stand for Literatica. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We hope you found pleasure and inspiration. Come back tomorrow as we continue to bring you more explicit romance tales and subscribe to our podcast feeds in your mobile devices to access our entire library of hundreds of daily episodes. Happy dreams.